Hi, and welcome to Vermilion High School Historical Society. I'm your host today, Mason Schroeder, and with me is Andrew Kronizel and Tyler DeVoe. And in this episode, we'll be talking about the history of the University of South Dakota, and in addition, a little bit of the impact it has on the community of Vermilion, South Dakota, and some of the actually the diversity it brings to the community as well. So, a little bit of the history of the University of South Dakota. Um, it was actually originally going to be founded in 1862. It was officially sanctioned by the U.S. government to be the first university in Dakota Territory. Well, there was a lack of funding, and so it just kind of didn't open for 20 years and eventually it actually opened in Lone Space downtown a year after the flood of 1881. And so it's kind of a good thing that there was no funding or it might have opened down in the below the bluffs where there was a flood that year and it would have destroyed all the hard work. We mentioned a bit of this in the first episode talking about the flood of 1881. So if you haven't listened to that, listen to that. Check and it out. Check, yeah, good. check it out, and then maybe come back to this, because that kind of gives you a jumping-off point of where, kind of the timeline of how the flood affected the university, especially around the start. Yeah, so um, just in your opinion, if the university would have started um, before the flood, below the bluff, what do you think it would be like today? It's a really interesting question, because it is a hypothetical one. I think that had it been built below the bluff and had the fun, all the funding it needed initially, I don't know if we necessarily have the University of South Dakota located here in Vermilion. It, I, I, I understand where you're coming from because it, it was hard to get the funding. It took 20 years to get the funding right. before it actually started. So imagine it taking 19 years. They made it. It was all destroyed. It, it would be forever it would take a long time for them to get yeah back where they well, were. Well, even if they say, you know, they got it sanctioned 1862, even say they had the funding right away, and so it was totally completed by 1865. It would have only been open then for 16 years before the flood. And so if that flood would have happened, you just had a university that's been operating for 16 years. You had all that years of work just kind of washed away, and you built in a dangerous spot. Do you want to rebuild it in that dangerous spot? Do you want to move it up above the bluff? Or do you just want to move it somewhere else entirely? Yeah, I'm sure the government of South Dakota would be would not be happy with rebuilding it in South Dakota if that were the or in Vermilion if that were the case, because they they think that it could happen again. Well there's all your resources just wasted you know, everything. And it was the first university in South Dakota that was sanctioned by the government. It so now your flagship university in what would become a state and a territory is just gone. So that's kind of an interesting uh, topic there. So the, like I mentioned earlier, the first building in USD actually wasn't part of USD. It was in Lone Space downtown. Once they finally got the funding and they started building, uh, they built University Hall, which if you've ever been to campus today, you're not going to see a building called University Hall. You're actually going to see a building called Old Main. 
and it's been restored multiple times to keep it kind of a center and it's still in operation today if you go into old main you'll find various classrooms and offices that sort of thing and old main um was built finished in 1883 and it was actually burned down by a fire in 1893 and then immediately thereafter rebuilt using materials from that year's chicago world's fair which is really cool and it's kind of a nice repurposing or recycling of materials that had already been used for something. I think it was a great idea on the on the university's part, on the government's part to actually not waste all those materials from that year's World Fair and to put them into the building of the main building in the university. And I know going back like uh, going back a bit. I know at the muck uh, they have they have photos on the wall of just past events of uh, the university, and I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure one is like about the fire. So it's it it, it played an important role in the university. Yeah, it, it did. It shaped kind of. I mean, it shaped what Old Main or University Hall is today, and so that's you no, know, it is an important part. Um, and we'll talk about the muck later too, because the muck is it's a really cool place. And it plays an important role to everybody in the community, not just the college students. Um, and so kind of on Old Main, a little bit just more here. So another important aspect of Old Main is it houses the honors program. And any s- prospective student looking at a university or any student at the university involved in the honors program, it's really important to have a good one. And I think it's really neat, and I don't know about you guys, that it's housed in the original building of the university that was actually rebuilt and then remodeled immediately after being rebuilt from that fire. Yeah, I feel like it's very symbolic of the university, and it 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 shows the history of the university for people it, interested yeah. in the honors program. Kind of makes it special for those honors students. Yeah, I... And it also houses this Oscar Howe Gallery, which kind of shows the heritage of the area as well, which I think is another really cool thing, because it shows about this American Indian artist named Oscar Howe, and it's his largest collection ever uh, in one place. And he was actually a faculty on the USD faculty, I guess, for 25 years. And so it's really cool that it wasn't just you know, settlers or the American government that played a part in this. It was the American Indians and the natives as well who played a part in establishing Old Main and establishing what it has become today. So after Old Main, uh, I think I'm going to touch on East Hall, which was built in 1887, so a few years after the establishment of Old Main. And it was originally the women's dormitories. So eventually it... It wasn't the women's dormitories anymore, and it's now actually houses the social sciences offices, which it's kind of interesting to see how everything is transferred from what a building was to what it is now. And now, of course, like many modern universities, USD actually has buildings dedicated to dormitories for men, women, co-ed, whatever. My mom works at USD, and... Um, she works in Nopum Hall, which has about the same story as East Hall, where it used to be a dormitory. Um, and it's a little interesting because um, on the floors, 
um, with just offices, um, there is only one bathroom per floor because, you know, it used to be a women's dormitory, so they only had the need for one bathroom. Um, and then, of course, the room next to it um, actually still has old showers and bathtubs in it. Um, now it's converted just to a storage room. But um, it's kind of cool to go in there and see what this used to be and what they've turned it into. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, not every university is like that. Not every university repurposes things. A lot of them will just tear things down and replace it. And so it's really cool to see how everything's been repurposed. Um, a little bit of a background on kind of the f original faculty, um, since we touched on the first two major buildings of USD, is the first faculty was, you know, love this name, a guy by the name of Ephraim Epstein. And he that's was... A, that's a pretty good name, in <laughs> my opinion. I was going to say, I love the guy's name. Anyways, he was the first president of the university and actually the original faculty of it as well. He was the first teacher, and for a while he was almost the only teacher they had initially as funding's got to get up and the university's got to become more renowned. Some of the organizations that university has been on since earlier days, um, they actually joined the Higher Learning Commission of North Central Association of Colleges and Schools um, in 1913, which anybody who knows a little bit of history is right around the beginning of World War One. I. I don't necessarily know if there's any correlation there. I just think it might be interesting to kind of look into at some point. Um, they are also part of the Association of Public and Land-Grant Universities, which as a flagship university for a state, it is a public university, and it's actually a pretty good one at that. Um, university of South Dakota, got, it's got some good programs in it, for sure. Uh, guys... Yeah, um, I know their med school is pretty good. They just built that new building. Oh, yeah, the um, Lee Medicine and Science Building. Yes, I guess. Yeah. I don't yeah. know the name. Yeah. So that actually houses the Sanford School of Medicine now. And fun fact, University of South Dakota has the only med school in the entire state. Now, granted, we are a state of roughly 700,000 people. So <laughs> there's not many of us to begin with. But it's still kind of neat to know that, you know, there's 50 states. And one of them, there's only has one med school and i bet you we're probably not the only one because there's other states out there like alaska or something like that um, we also have a pretty good law school as well don't we or is there yeah i was gonna say our law school is pretty good as well um so the other thing we have is we actually just got a new wellness center in 2011 and it's got same time same year of the Flood, as we mentioned yes. in the yeah. previous episode. Tying another everything together. Another reason to go back and listen to the rest of the episodes. Yeah. Go on, sorry. No, it's totally cool. Um, and so that's got just kind of your fitness, your recreation, your intramural sports. And I'll talk about this a little bit more later on, too. But I kind of want to mention how a lot of the high schoolers I know will go to the wellness center to work out or to hang out and do stuff like that. I don't know if either of you two do. Uh, right? Yeah, my family has a membership and I... Try to go as often as I can. Little fun fact about the Wellness Center. They have the largest rock wall in South Dakota. Yeah. So, University of South Dakota has got a lot of the only in South Dakota at it. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I haven't been climbing on the rock wall personally. I don't like heights. Um, 
I went to the one at SDSU, and that was tall enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Heights are not my thing. Doesn't sound like they're generally Tyler's either. But it is kind of neat, and there's a lot of good ways to get exercise, and it's also really cool that it's not just limited to college students and the faculty. It's open to the high school students or the families of those students as well. Yeah, and they also uh, host other um, activities there, like... Uh basketball games for um the rec leagues yeah little kids and like the intramural sports through the colleges that sort of stuff yep Uh, so it's really neat to see how that all ties in there um so another really cool building and i think my peers here will agree is the warren m lee center for the fine arts i yes i have I agree that it's pretty pretty good building. Spent a lot of time there, too. Yep. <laughs> Same here. Yep. It holds the concerts, plays, dances, studios, galleries, all sorts of other things relating to the fine arts. Uh, it holds the university art galleries, which have... Um, do you have a guess for how many pieces there are total in the fine arts gallery? I, would, I have no idea. It's... A lot? It's, it's, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> so there's actually over 1,600 pieces of art in the gallery on display at one time. That's insane. You'd never think there would be that many at all, especially for, you know, generally a small campus like that. Um, kind of with the fine arts, there is the National Music Museum. Um, I'm not going to go too much into detail of that because you're going to have to check out episode three to learn about the National Music Museum, which Andrew over here will be hosting. So I'm going to leave you guys wondering about that one, so you got to listen to the next episode. So kind of coming back full circle to the beginning here, after we talked about the buildings, uh, Ephraim Epstein, still love his name. Yeah, great, great name. <laughs> um, eventually, obviously retired, and leadership went to Robert L. Slegel. We have a whole hall named after him. Uh, it actually houses the foreign language department. Uh, my mom works there. Uh, so also houses Alps Auditorium. Yes, it does. Alps Auditorium, which is amazing. Yeah, I love that place. Been there before, a couple times. Um, and so uh, Robert Slagle came in 1914, and in order to promote campus harmony and spirit, created D Days or Dakota Days. Which anybody who hasn't been to Vermilion. You got to experience it at some point, whether you're a part of it or just watching it. But D Days, it is. It's kind of it's a lot of fun too to just watch the parade and little kids. The parade floats will throw things out, and I know last year my sister, my little sister, got like sunglasses and all sorts of candy, and it's a really good time for the little kids too, not and just the college students. As all members of the Pride of Vermilion marching band, it's also a fun time because we get a parade at a, on our home turf. Yeah, that's true. Parading on your home turf is always fun. It's a, it's a good time. Kind of, a little stressful because you got to represent your town, but it is. It's a really good time. And that was all made by Robert Slagle to promote campus spirit and harmony. And it's now become a yearly and tradition. You probably said this, but what year did this happen in? So D-Days was in 1914 was when it was actually made to. So, yeah, it's been going on for over 100 years. years. Yes. Yeah. That's yep. a long time. That's, yeah, it's really great, and that's kind of why he's got a building named after him, is that is considered one of his greatest achievements, is creating this big annual celebration, just to celebrate the greatness of the university and to bring everybody together. 
So D-Days is a really important part of University of South Dakota culture. Another really important part is the Dakota Dome. And like D-Days, it's not just for the college students. The Dakota Dome, you can go stand on Spirit Mound a few miles out of town and there you can look out and it is the one thing you can see. It looks like a big white marshmallow. And I think my friends can attest to yeah. that. It looks like a big old marshmallow. Never really realized that that's a pretty good analogy. <laughs> um, and at night, it will actually light up in red, which is the colors of the university mascot, the coyote. And so... For those for those not from Vermilion, it's coyote, not coyote. Yeah. Do not come to Vermilion and call it a coyote. When I moved here, I had to learn that very quickly, that it was not a coyote, it was a coyote or a yote. It's a very good lesson to learn. You don't want to pick a fight your first day in Vermilion. So, anyways, the fo- South Dakota football team, the USD football team, obviously, they play in there, they do events in there. There's also actually a track in the dome that you can run on. Um, the high school football team actually also rents out the Dakota Dome, and we play football games in there. And the marching band, yeah, the, marching. the Pride of Vermilion Mar- High School marching band, will play pep band in there, and we will march in there as well, especially for Quad State, which, if you've ever heard our band director or anybody in the band say, the acoustics are awful. It echoes like no tomorrow. It's it's such an awful place to march, but we still do it. You know, it was designed to be a football stadium, yeah. unfortunately, and not a performance hall. Which, yeah, it is rather unfortunate, but, you know, we do it, and it's it's somewhat enjoyable, despite the bad echo. Uh, there is also a pool in the Dome. Um, they offer swimming lessons there. I know I took yep. a year at the Dome. Yeah. Swimming lessons. I actually have a little kid, I know, that takes swimming lessons at the Dome. There's also, I'm not sure if you want to talk about this necessarily with the Dome, but there's also the, uh, what is it called, the, is it Sanford? Oh, the Sanford, like, the the Sanford building that's connected to it? Basketball. Oh, yeah. And volleyball, like, court sports. Yeah. So there's a, it's relatively new um, building connected to the Dakota Dome that... Like Andrew said here, it's for the corded sports, you know. You can't play volleyball on a football field. It kind of defeats the purpose of volleyball. So they built this new building, and it's really nice on the inside. Yeah. It's a beautiful building. I've actually never been in it yet. I've been in there a couple times. And it's... Yeah, I've been in there a couple times. You should go in there. It's a nice building. <laughs> and it, um, yeah, it's got the corded sports, volleyball, basketball, that sort of thing. Um, I know... My family goes in there a lot to watch the girls' basketball games. And uh, they do other stuff in there, too, like uh, Macklemore performed in there. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, that would have been uh, sometime last year. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I actually did not know that Macklemore had performed in there. So, yeah, it's a lot more than just sports. Yeah. I mean, the dome serves multiple purposes, and so does everything around it, you know? Like we mentioned before, everything at the university has multiple purposes, university doesn't just oh well this has one purpose it's designed for this one purpose it doesn't work let's tear it down they're going to reuse it into something um the other really important building aside from the music museum is the muck which is the university center at south dakota and it's got food places like any good university center does 
but it's also just got a lot of places to sit down and relax and study and hang out with your friends. And I know that personally, I have gone there with friends to help them study or to study myself, to get food, that sort of thing. And the food there is actually pretty good. Yeah, because they have, they have the university dining, but then during the school year, at least, they'll have a lot of other... Like Cadoba, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, those um, are there all year round, but then they have like that little section... It's like only active really during oh, the yeah. school year. It's like wok stir fry or something like that. I don't remember the exact name, um, which is pretty good too. Yeah, it's this big glass building. You can't miss it. And it's just, it's a great place to just sit and hang out and chill. You don't really have to have an agenda and the chairs are nice and comfy. Nobody's going to look at you because you're a high school student or a college student or an adult. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can just go and sit. So moving away from the buildings of campus and how they kind of impact the community, couple quick facts. So ranked nationally, the University of South Dakota is the 129th school, which when you think about our size is really good. Um, and now obviously rankings vary from place to place, look where look at, but that's still pretty good. Um, the campus itself is 276 acres, which again, for such a small town, that's pretty good sized. But it's not too big to where you can't walk across it. Now, there are some some campuses where you just, you got to have transit. But University of South Dakota, I live right on campus, like right next to Cycle Hall. And I if I want to get to the other side of campus, it's a, what, five minute walk? I'd say so, yeah. I was going to say, we've walked from my house before places. It's like a five minute walk. And it's a really good place to just, stop and look at some of the statues you know doc farber or and actually one of the statues they just changed it out and i don't know the new name of it and i really don't know the name of the old one but they just changed out a new statue and it's always just something different it's kind of neat to look at that's actually a pretty new thing that they just started all of these sculptures kind of around campus and they they switched them out um very fre- frequently so it's yeah. kind of cool you can you know every once in a while when you go around campus you just see all of these new sculptures yeah you know it's nice to have a change of scenery every once in a while um so the other thing is they have a lot of undergraduate and graduate programs uh 205 undergrad programs 73 graduate programs and then 120 clubs whether they're academic clubs sports clubs um they are d1 in athletics so that's kind of nice to have a decent sports team at least to root for something like that it helps bring a little bit more community and culture into the uh, the community i guess um they also have the student-led newspaper the volant which is it's kind of nice to be able to read what the students think of the campus and most students really like south dakota um surprisingly (laughs) yeah surprisingly we're we're biased because i know at least tyler and i have lived here our whole lives so we gotten a bit desensitized to it (laughs) Here's what I would say. If you haven't lived here your whole life, it's a great place to go to school for four years because it's nice, it's safe, and it's quiet. But if you lived here your whole life, you're going to want to change your scenery. I can understand that. Um, but no, it is. And it's, you know, most students look upon the upon it glowingly. They say that their professors care, the cl- care, the classes are really good, and all that sort of stuff. And I know I take a class at the university this past year and I loved it it was great you know it was only online but my professor he was really he was an awesome guy really helpful um you know it was a workload but 
it's kind of what you expect a college class to be. I don't know if either of you have taken college classes yet. No, so. I haven't. So, I also have friends who, you know, they take college classes in, at the university as high schoolers, and they, they absolutely love it. So, one last building I really want to talk about here is the ID Weeks Library. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it's relatively new, but... We talk, in the next episode, we'll talk a bit about how it went from... The, li- the school's library went from the Carnegie Library to the Eddie Weeks Library, so stay tuned for that episode. Um, anyway, it's a really great resource, again, for not just the college students. It is for the high school students as well. We, yeah. we conducted research there when looking at our topics for the Series of Three podcasts that we're doing, and while we were there, there were definitely other students there from the college as well and from the high school. So it's it's a really great resource, and it's also just got it's a library, so it's gonna have things that if you want to look at something you're interested in, check it out. And mm-hmm. also a lot of cool places to go and study, as well there. Um, kind of how they do the floors with oh, yeah. the first floor is just kind of you know um, you can talk at a regular level. You know it's still a library. You don't want to yell. Yeah. Um, but you know you can still have a conversation with people. And the second floor, I think they call it the quiet zone where you can only talk in um, Whisper. quiet whispers. And the third floor is a complete silent zone where there's no talking aloud. Um, that's kind of cool because, you know, if I needed to write a paper that I had procrastinated on for a month... Procrastinating had, on a paper? Tyler, how you're right, oh, come you're, on. I never do that. <laughs> if, if I needed to go and write that paper um, in one night, that I was supposed to spend a month to do, I could walk up to that third floor and have absolutely no distractions. Yeah. And the archives are also on that floor. So you ever need, you know, a really good resource, the archives are right there for you. I think I've covered, you know, a lot of the really important things. I think we've covered kind of how the impact it has on the community too. One last thing I want to touch on is how it brings people into the community and the diversity it brings and we can speak to this as well. Vermilion is, it's a mostly Caucasian community. It just is, like a lot of Midwestern communities. And without the university, it would probably be almost entirely that. But we all have friends who are not Caucasian. And the main reason they are here is because the university has pulled them in as professors or in some other capacity to work here or as students, something like that. And I think it's really neat to see the different cultures and diversities that your university brings to this otherwise ethnically singular town. You know, you guys got anything to add to that? Yeah, so, said it pretty well. you know, it's kind of nice. And then the way they impact their community around them too, you know, you'd never meet these people otherwise. And it's kind of interesting to see, you know, we all have a Midwestern accent. You can't hear it if you're a Midwesterner, but we have it, I suppose. And it's really interesting to hear somebody who's not from the Midwest. You know, I have a friend uh, from India. His father is a professor at the university. And, you know, his parents, you can hear the accent really well. Him, not quite as much, but his parents, you can, they have a pretty thick accent. You can understand them, but it's pretty thick. And it's kind of interesting just to see what culture the university brings to South Dakota. Anyways, folks, that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening about the University of South Dakota's history, the culture it brings, how it affects the community around it. 
I'm Mason Schroeder. I was your host tonight. With me is Andrew Kroneisel and Tyler DeVelder. Check out our third episode on the National Music Museum. Night, guys.